Hello, this is Diksha from NewsLaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Sunday, the 21st of February. India recorded more than 14,000 COVID-19 cases in the last 24 hours, which is the highest number of daily infections recorded in 23 days. The total COVID tally moved closer to the 1.10 crore or 11 million mark in the last 24 hours, while 90 deaths linked to the virus were recorded in the same period. Over 1 crore 10 lakh health and frontline workers have been vaccinated in the country so far. Of this, more than 4 lakh were given the vaccine yesterday. Maharashtra meanwhile is seeing an uptick in covid cases. Dr. Shashank Joshi, a member of the state's covid task force, told NDTV that 240 new strains of the virus have surfaced across India, which are behind the fresh surge of infections in Maharashtra since last week. More than 1300 buildings in Mumbai were sealed as of Friday to contain the spread of the virus while the city recorded over 800 new cases yesterday. The health ministry said that besides Maharashtra, four more states, Kerala, Madhya Pradesh, Chhattisgarh and Punjab have been witnessing a surge in numbers. Now for a brief update on global covid numbers, more than 111 people in the world have been infected by the virus so far, while more than 2.46 million have succumbed to it. Global recoveries meanwhile have surged to 62.6 million. Our story of the week this time is the arrest of the 21-year-old activist Disha Ravi and warrants against two other activists in the Toolkit case. We will also talk about how the events leading up to the action against the activist transpired and what followed. Union Finance Minister Nirmala Sitaraman yesterday called the increasing fuel prices in the country a vexatious matter. She added that there is no answer other than reducing the rates. The finance minister said that the central and state governments need to chalk out a plan to bring down the retail price of fuel to a reasonable level. Petrol and diesel rates have been soaring in the past few weeks. The petrol prices in some areas crossed the 100 rupee per liter mark. Sitaraman also said that the fuel prices have been freed and the center has no control over it. She added that the prices were worked up by the oil marketing companies. Unlike the finance minister however, Prime Minister Narendra Modi on Wednesday attributed the rapidly rising prices to the actions of the previous governments. Yesterday, petrol in Delhi was priced at rupees 90.58 per liter while diesel was at 80.97 rupees. In Mumbai, petrol prices reached a record high of rupees 97 per liter while the diesel rate crossed the 88 rupee mark. According to an analysis by Bloomberg Quint, The major factor for the costly fuel are the taxes that make up about 55 to 60% of what consumers pay at the petrol pump. A special court in Bengaluru yesterday rejected the bail applications of six accused in the murder case of journalist Gauri Lankesh. The court had earlier dismissed the bail pleas of three other accused. The special public prosecutor in the case told PTI that the bail pleas filed by nine accused have been rejected including six on Saturday. Lankesh, who was known for her strident views on Hindutva politics, was killed at her home in Bengaluru by gunmen in 2017. Her murder had sparked protests around the country and was seen by many as another in the spate of attacks on activists and writers critical of the Hindu right. At least 12 people were arrested in the case. The special investigation team in the case had found that Lankesh was killed after a conspiracy by the members of the right-wing group Sanatan Sanstha. The group is also accused of killing Kannada writer MM Kalburgi. In 2019, the Supreme Court had noted that the murders of Kalburgi, Lankesh and activist Narendra Dhabolkar and Govind Pansari were a part of a very serious case. The Delhi police today arrested four more persons in the killing of Rinku Sharma in Mangolpuri which had taken place on February 10th. This took the total number of arrests made in connection with the crime to 9. 25-year-old Sharma was allegedly stabbed by a group of people at a birthday party. 
he succumbed to his injuries during treatment and five people were arrested in the matter. The case was later transferred to the crime branch of the Delhi police. The police maintained that the incident took place after the accused allegedly got involved in an argument with Sharma over business differences. Sharma's family and Hindutva groups, however, have alleged that he was killed because he was active in the donation drive for the Ram Temple in Ayodhya. A school in Chennai has drawn criticism from activists and on social media after it called the farmers protesting the Narendra Modi's farm laws as quote-unquote violent maniacs who act under external instigation. In a Class 10 English language and literature paper, the school used phrases like diabolical violence and rampage to describe the events that unfolded during the Republic Day tractor rally. The News Minute reported that these phrases were used in a question paper in DAV Boys School in Gopalapuram area on February 11th. An image of the section of the question paper was widely circulated on social media this week. The students were asked to write a letter to the editor of a newspaper in Chennai condemning what it called the terrible, violent acts of miscreants who fail to realize that the country comes before personal gains and needs. In the letter, the students were also asked to suggest few measures to stop such violent maniacs who act under external instigation. The authorities in Mao district of Uttar Pradesh have issued notices to 26 people asking them to pay Rs 49 lakh for allegedly causing damage to public property during a protest against the Citizenship Amendment Act. The Indian Express reported today that the police have invoked the National Security Act against six of the accused for protests that took place in 2019. The recovery notices were issued based on a local news report claiming that 26 residents of the district had sought to vandalism during a demonstration against CAA. The police said that a group had gathered at a crossing to protest against the violence that broke out in Delhi's Jamia Millia Islamia University in 2019. The group had gone to submit a memorandum to the police in solidarity with the students after the chaos inside the university campus. According to the newspaper, the police said, and I quote, A few minutes after a memorandum was submitted to a police officer, a youth allegedly pelted stones at a bus coming from Azamgarh. As the police tried to disperse the crowd, another group hurled petrol bombs at the police, fired in the air with country-made pistols and vandalized shops and vehicles, unquote. A case was filed against 26 named and several unidentified people at the Dakshin Tola police station. They were booked under various charges, including attempt to murder. Similar notices have also been issued in other parts of Uttar Pradesh under the BJP government. The Lucknow District Administration has directed 57 people to pay Rs 1.5 crore. In Muzaffarnagar, 53 people were asked to pay Rs 23.41 lakh. Speaking of Uttar Pradesh, News Laundry's Ayush Tiwari has been covering the mobilization of farming communities in western Uttar Pradesh amid the ongoing farmer protests. It is important to note that farmers in large numbers from UP are a part of the protest aggrieved by the central government's farm laws. In a related story, Ayush analysed the recent coverage on the farming sector in the state by Dainik Jagran, India's largest newspaper by circulation. In the month of January, which was the third month into the farmers' agitation, Dainik Jagran in UP was printing reports of how farmers in the state are happy because of the efforts of the Adityanath government. The newspaper was virtually promoting the government's campaigns in the form of news reports. The news report ran claims made by the ministers in the state as data on the agriculture sector. The report also shows how Dainik Jagran's parent group earned over 92 crore rupees in revenue from print and digital advertisements by the Modi government between 2015 and 2019. To read the full report, head over to newslaundry.com. It is titled, A Dainik Jagran Guide to Adityanath Government's Propaganda. 
This report is a clear example of the fact that when a news organization is funded by the government and private advertisers, it serves the interests of those very people. But when a news platform is 100% ad-free and is funded by the public, it reports in the interests of the public. We at News Laundry run solely on the support of our subscribers so that we can bring out stories that matter. So if you aren't a subscriber already, hit that subscribe button on the top right corner of newslaundry.com today. Pay to keep news free. Coming back to our story of the week, a magistrate's court in Delhi yesterday reserved its order in the bail application of 21-year-old climate activist Disha Ravi in connection with the farm protest toolkit case. The matter, dubbed as the toolkit case, has become clouded in a series of narratives, allegations and conspiracy theories. Three Indian activists, Disha Ravi, Nikita Jacob and Shantanu Muluk have been named in the case. While Disha remains in judicial custody in Delhi, Mumbai-based lawyer and activist Nikita Jacob was granted three weeks' anticipatory bail by the Bombay High Court on February 17. 31-year-old climate activist Shantanu from Maharashtra's bead was also given 10 days' interim relief on February 16. The Delhi police's cyber cell had issued non-bailable warrants against Nikita and Shantanu on February 12. But how did the Delhi police zero in on these three activists? What has the media been saying about them and what exactly is the set toolkit? It all started on the night of 3rd February when Swedish climate campaigner Greta Thunberg shared a toolkit document to help people show support for the ongoing farmer protests at the borders of Delhi. A toolkit is a document to familiarise people about a cause or an issue. This came in the backdrop of the centre's unprecedented response to the international support for the farmer protests by personalities like pop singer Rihanna and Thunberg. Later on February 4th, Thunberg deleted the previous toolkit, stating that it was outdated and shared another updated document. What followed was an immediate reaction by the Delhi police. After several pro-government social media handles expressed outrage over the toolkit tweeted by Thunberg and many claimed that it was evidence of a global conspiracy to attack India, the Delhi police filed an FIR without naming anyone. The Delhi police alleged, based on initial inquiry, that the toolkit appeared to have been created by what it called a pro-Khalistani organization, the Poetic Justice Foundation, or PJF. The organization is an advocacy group that often raises questions connected to human rights. But the Delhi police, however, alleged the contrary. The FIR filed by the police invoked sections of sedition, criminal conspiracy, and promoting hatred in communities on social, cultural, or religious grounds. Over the next two weeks, other allegations made by the Delhi police came to light. The FIR alleged that the farmers' tractor rally on the 26th of January turned violent because of the said instigation by elements behind this document and its toolkit. The FIR also made allegations that the document quote-unquote gave a call for economic warfare against India and certain Indian companies. It added that the document also gave a call to the Indian diaspora to protest specifically outside Indian embassies and target symbols linked to Indian culture such as yoga and chai. The police also said that the document promoted campaign material by the PJF. The FIR read, referring to PJF, and I quote, It is a Canada-based organization that openly and deliberately shares posts on social media that tend to create disharmony or feelings of enmity, hatred or ill-will between different religious, racial, language or regional groups or castes or communities, unquote. After filing the FIR, the Delhi police wrote to Google seeking information on the creators of the toolkit. Subsequently, on February 13th, the cyber cell of Delhi police arrested Disha Ravi from her Bengaluru home for her alleged role in editing and spreading the toolkit. On February 12th, it had issued non-bailable wardens to activist Nikita and Shantanu. 
Nikita, who was called as the key conspirator by the police in spreading the toolkit, was questioned at her Mumbai residence by the Delhi police on the 11th of February. According to her lawyers, the personal documents and electronic gadgets of Nikita and her family were seized by the police. While Shantanu and Nikita were granted temporary relief by the Bombay High Court, Disha is currently under judicial custody. Post her arrest, which advocates and lawyers allege did not follow due procedure, she was presented in a Delhi court and sent to five days police custody. On February 19th, when Disha's police custody was set to expire, a Delhi magistrate court sent her to three-day judicial custody. In the course of the last two weeks, the media coverage of Disha's arrest pushed her to approach the Delhi High Court. Naming three TV news channels, India TV, Times Now and News 18, she alleged that there was a media trial being run against her and the media aired leaked conversations attributed to her at the behest of the Delhi police. The High Court, while hearing her plea, observed that the media coverage in her case, quote-unquote, definitely showed sensationalism. The court also directed the channels to not disseminate leaked private information to prejudice the investigation in her case. So, what was the media coverage that prompted a response from the court? After Disha's arrest and the warrants against Nikita and Shantanu, the Delhi police made multiple allegations against the three. One of them was made on February 15th when the police alleged that the three attended a Zoom call with a member of the Poetic Justice Foundation. While this was just one of the many allegations related to the toolkit case, News Laundry's Manisha Pandey in this week's episode of TV Nuisance shows how claims made by the Delhi police were aired by channels as gospel truth. The news channels also brazenly linked Disha and the two other activists to Khalistan without any evidence. The news coverage was filled with personal attacks on Disha, with high-decibel debates where the panellists made similar allegations. You can catch the latest episode of TV Nuisance on newslaundry.com and our YouTube channel as well. Unlike a section of the news channels that engaged in airing unverified claims, in her news report on newslaundry.com, Barkha Kumari detailed who Disha Ravi is by speaking to her co-workers and people in her social circles. She also traced how Disha got associated with the Fridays for Future campaign, which is the India chapter of Thunberg's climate change movement. Her report on newslaundry.com is titled How Disha Ravi Came to Join Thunberg's Climate Justice Cause. Meanwhile, in Disha's bail hearing yesterday, a Delhi magistrate court, while reserving its order, questioned the Delhi police over its allegations against Disha. The court asked the police if they have evidence directly linking Disha to the violence on 26 January. The additional sessions judge said, and I quote, Is there any evidence, or are we required to merely work on surmises and conjectures? Unquote. During yesterday's hearing, Disha said through her lawyers, and I quote, If highlighting the farmer protests on the global platform is sedition, then I'm guilty. If thinking otherwise is a problem, we are lowering the bar of thinking that someone may have an opinion different from ours. Unquote. In the anticipatory bail hearing of Nikita Jacob as well, her lawyers denied all allegations linking her to pro-Khalistan elements. They also brushed off claims that the toolkit was made to instigate the events of 26 January. Her lawyer Mihir Desai said that she is just an enthusiastic environmentalist and a young lawyer who now fears being arrested for sedition. Listeners, when a high court in this country calls the coverage by a section of television media sensational, when a court has to tell the media to follow a code of ethics and to not run unverified claims and leak an activist's personal information, it should be a moment of soul-searching for these news channels. We shall see if it actually is. Independent media houses, on the other hand, have covered the issue of the arrest of the activists based on factual, verified and documented information. We are one such independent news platform striving to bring you factual and in-depth stories that matter.
So, in the wake of the recent events, if you want to support an independent news platform, now is the perfect time to hit that subscribe button on the top right corner of newslaundry.com. The lowest subscription starts at just 300 rupees per month. Now for some international updates. Thousands of anti-coup protesters returned to the streets of Myanmar today, a day after the killing of at least two people amid a military crackdown on the protests in Mandalay City. Yesterday, members of ethnic minorities, poets and transport workers marched peacefully in various parts of the country. Tensions, however, escalated in Mandalay where the police and soldiers confronted striking shipyard workers. Reuters reported that some demonstrators fired catapults at the police and the police responded with tear gas and opened fire at the protesters. Two people were shot and killed, including a teenage boy. The country's emergency service said that 20 others were wounded. Today's protests also came amid rising international condemnation of Myanmar's military rulers. Facebook today deleted the army's main page for breaching its standards prohibiting the incitement of violence. Meanwhile, the military blocked internet in the country for the seventh night in a row last night. The United Nations General Secretary Antonio Guterres joined the United States, the United Kingdom, France and Singapore to denounce yesterday's shootings. Early today, the police also arrested a famous actor in the country who was wanted for supporting the opposition to the coup. Myanmar had witnessed a military takeover on February 1st when the army detained the country's elected leader Aung San Suu Kyi. Thousands have since been protesting in various parts of the country to oppose the move. That's all the news we have for you today. Have a great day or a good night, depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.